Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Halco dodging the rush. Scrambles from the pocket. And loads the end zone. Touchdown. That- There's that three guys defending in the end zone. And it was caught. It's a touchdown. 40-yard dashes. Marcus Dash. 40-yard dash. Marcus Dash. 40. Marcus Dash. Marcus Dash. 40-yard dash. Marcus Dash. You run the 40. Marcus Dash. Welcome back to Running the 40. I'm your host, Marcus Dash. This week, we're talking to Western Pennsylvania Zone quarterback Tyler Palco. He had a hell of a career at the University of Pittsburgh, where he ranks fourth all-time in passing yards and second all-time in passing touchdowns, where he only trails Hall of Famer Dan Marino. He went on to play football at the next level with the New Orleans Saints, Arizona Cardinals, Pittsburgh Steelers, and going on to finish his career with the Kansas City Chiefs in 2011. We talk about a variety of topics from playing at Pittsburgh with Larry Fitzgerald, his days of starting in the NFL, advice to high school football players amidst this current COVID crisis. And of course, we discuss his legendary hair that had a profound impact on me in high school. Give it a listen. All right, guys, I'm with Tyler Palco, former Pittsburgh Panther. And let me say Pittsburgh Panther, great. Tyler Palco. I mean, <laughs> yeah. how the hell have you been, man? I'm in great. Great. Uh, obviously, you know, def- uh, definitely some interesting times right now with um you know the the pandemic and and um you know uh i travel i i did travel a lot with work and um you know with all the the restrictions happening you know just trying to do your part to you know stay uh stay safe and keep everybody safe and um you know i I think the uh, only people that uh really like me being home is my kids i we got uh we have four kids and i think we got to probably like week six of this whole thing. And my wife was like, when you leave in the house, <laughs> so doing okay. Awesome, man. Well, it's, it's good to hear. I'm assuming everyone in your family is all safe and healthy during throughout this time. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, fortunately we're, we're, uh, you know, everyone's, you know, safe and healthy and, and, um, you know, haven't had any, any issues, uh, you know, up to this point yet, but, um, you know, it's definitely sad and, you know, you're just, you know, just, hope for the best with everything and and um you know we can get get some uh, some kind of vaccine or cure or figure something out because it's um scary times and and uh, no no fun to live in these these crazy scary times exactly man and i know with baseball starting and ba- basketball start up again we're finally getting to that normal i guess where we can actually watch sports instead of, you know just every day just watch the news and seeing all the stuff that's going on but now we got sports back so hopefully these leagues can actually stay up and running and hopefully everything pans out but I have to say, um, back in high school, I'm a huge Chiefs fan, if you can't tell. But yeah. uh, I remember when, when, you were, when you were on the team, I remember you had the flow. And I, when I, was, look, I was looking you up on LinkedIn, I saw yeah. like, you didn't have the flow anymore. I was like, oh, man, you're, you're going corporate on me. I did. I did have to go corporate. I, I, I will tell you that through the, uh, through the COVID thing, um, you know, didn't have a chance to go get a haircut. So it was, it was coming back. It was probably about three or four weeks away from, uh, you know, back to my old football days. Uh, my wife liked it, but it, I'm telling you, it, it, it was too hot. And, you know, in Kansas city at this time, you know, it's like 95 with 90% humidity. So I, uh, as soon as the, uh, the, the barbershop opened back up again, it was, uh, I, I think I pulled a hamstring running to the barbershop. <laughs> Next time you, you, you come off sides of the backwards baseball cap and then you have the flow. I was like, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. But uh, so let's kind of uh, talk about sports here. Um, 
you you still live in the Kansas area, the Kansas City area, right? I, I believe you still you live in Kansas now. Yeah, Overland Park. Yeah, so it's just I mean, can't if you being a Chiefs fan, I'm sure you understand. It's like the the stadiums in Missouri, but you know the the suburb. Um, it's it's grown into the southeastern part of Kansas. So we live, you know, um, I probably live like. 15 miles from the state line of Missouri, but I'm on the Kansas side, but I've, I've been here since um, I met my wife here when I, when I played. So, um, so since I, I, I guess been here since 09. Awesome. Awesome. And so obviously being still being in the Kansas city area, you actually, you, you've obviously got to see what we've done over the last uh, two years. Um, especially with, with the Patrick Mahomes era, obviously Alex Smith was good, but I mean the Patrick Mahomes era was kind of taking it to, to a new level uh, so what what kind of, what was your thoughts and kind of seeing and especially since you played with the team for like for a couple of, for a couple of years, what yeah. was kind of thoughts seeing what what happened this past year winning the Super Bowl? Well, I mean it's obviously awesome. I mean Kansas City will always have a special place in my heart um, from a sports perspective. It was the you know first place I got a chance to be a starting quarterback and um, you know the town's been great and and um, you know it, being from Pittsburgh and growing up you know and with the the Pirates and you know the Penguins and the Steelers you know you you kind of take for granted what it's like, you know, I wasn't a huge like fan fan. I just was a, I was a player guy, not necessarily a, a diehard, you know, Pittsburgh fan. Um, but you kind of take that for granted when you, you know, when you come out here and you see, um, you know, a, a city that's kind of, you know, so passionate about sports, um, but kind of had, you know, a, they haven't had a Super Bowl since Lenny Dawson was the quarterback. Right. So, um, you know, it was really cool to see uh, when, when they brought Andy in and, and Alex was, I mean, Alex is a good friend of mine. So I, I mean, we played against each other in college. So we, you know, see, seeing that, um, you know, that kind of take off. Uh, and then obviously when, when Pat took the reins, um, you know, that, that, that whole thing kind of blew up here. And, and uh, it's been really cool to see, um, you know, the city just be all about the Chiefs, right? I mean, uh, it was, you know, for such a long time, you know, it was they got their hearts broken and they wanted to watch KU basketball. And uh, uh, it was really it's really cool to, to see a city, you know, kind of excited about the team again. And, and uh, you know, I was just happy to be a be a part of the the uh, the, the team, um, you know, at in, in, in some level for a couple of years. And obviously, as a former NFL quarterback, what kind of your thoughts? I mean, I know Patrick Mahomes is breaking a lot of norms that we see from quarterbacks. You know, I remember in high school. Never thrown across your body. Now we're, we're seeing no look passes from the guy. But as, from a quarterback perspective, what have you, what are your kind of thoughts when seeing him play the QB position? Yeah, he's fun. Um, I remember when I when I was growing up, you know, I, I um, you know had a lot of favorite quarterbacks, but I tried to kind of emulate Brett Favre. Palco, is he going to run again? Goes one on one. Flips the ball, complete for the first down. The far flip, as he calls it. Um, you know, I, I, you know, did some things that were kind of unorthodox, you know, like underhand shovel passes and doing things like that and trying to, you know, run people over and be a, you know, do the things that, that Brett did. Cause I just, I, you know, was son of a football coach, was a tough guy. And, um, you know, so, so uh, it's fun to see him play the game with kind of such creativity and, you know, but I think at the end of the day, um, you know, all that highlight reel tape stuff is fun to watch, but I think the things that get overlooked is, is, um, you know, how talented he is. I mean, he is, you know, arguably one of the, the, I mean, he might be the, have the best arm talent, you know, that that's ever played the game before, you know, just from a talent level. And then, 
you know, everything that you, you hear when you talk to coaches or players or, you know, cause obviously they're, you know, they're around in this area um, is just how, uh, how attentive he is to like the mental side of the game. And I think that he learned a lot of that from Alex. It's, you know, you've, you've, you know, heard any of his interviews or, or talked to any of the coaches. He's, he really is a student of the game. I mean, you know, he grew up in a locker room with his dad too. So, I mean, you know, he, he kind of gets it from a work ethic standpoint. So he's fun to watch, man. It's, it's, it's really fun to, 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 to turn in and tune in and watch him play. Um, especially how creative he is. I, I really appreciate the, you know, the, the things that he does. Yeah. And to see, like, look at your college tape, right? I've seen a lot of the things that you did that we kind of see, like, obviously Mahomes doing it at the NFL level. You, did, you used to do some of that stuff in Pittsburgh when it was like an uncommon thing, like, oh, you should be doing that. Sort of, that's a risk. But now we're seeing that. I was talking to Eric Warfield the other day. We were saying how the NFL, what you're seeing from Odell Beckham, one-handed catches, where back in the day, if you could get one hand on the ball, you could get two hands on the ball. Now we're seeing in NBA, we're seeing people come down the court shooting half-court threes as a norm because Steph Curry does that. And now quarterbacks are starting to do no-look passes, stuff that's that's not taught. But now people are seeing him do it so regularly. It's like, oh, we can do that, right? But obviously it takes us uh, – talent to do something like that well I mean I think it's 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 just the evolution of the game I I, you know I I think that you know that that Andy probably said you know hey don't do that again um you know but it probably was the same when you know basketball became more excited right where you have to have it seven passes before you you know take a shot and then you get Pete Maravich coming into to the NBA and you know throwing you know behind the back half court passes and I think it's just kind of an evolution of the game and you know, I can, I can probably um, tell you this for a hundred percent certainty that it's happened in practice a lot. So it's not like he just decided to do it, you know, just the same with Odell Beckham. I mean, those guys practice. I mean, my, my college roommate was Larry Fitzgerald and he played his whole, his last year at Pitt with a torn ligament in his hand. And he didn't catch anything but one hand because he had a cast on his hand. So, I mean, those guys, you know, they, they, they hone their craft. Like they, you know, it's, it's exciting, but it's not the first time that they've done it. So, I mean, it's exciting to see, you know, those types of things that creativity come to the game. It makes it exciting. Right. Uh, We'll get to later this year later. I want to ask you a few questions about him. Um, But so let's go to your playing days. Your first start was against new England on a, on, was that, that was a Sunday night? night. Monday night. Monday Monday. night. So you, you played new England on on a Monday night which is first start playing at New England, of course. That's its own beast in, in itself. But I'm excited about Tyler Palco tonight. He's traveled a long, hard road to become an NFL starter. When you look at his career, he was released by three NFL teams, the Saints, the Cardinals, and the Steelers. He's been cut by two leagues, the Canadian Football League and the UFL. But he never quit. He never gave up. He worked hard, and he persevered. That's why he gets the start tonight. Then you got to play next week on Sunday night primetime against Pittsburgh, your, your hometown team, but in Kansas City. Yeah. As for a first-time NFL starter, how hard, how hard was that kind of like game plan? Because you know, when you think about the primetime games, that's, that, that, that's a, you're on national stage. It's not just a one o'clock on CBS. It's national stage. How kind of I, when I was a kid, I was like, that's kind of ridiculous. He's got to play two primetime games as a first-time starter in the NFL. How kind of hard was that for you? to kind of get adjusted to not only playing against uh, Bill Belichick your first game, but having to play, I had to process, I had to go to Sunday night, or is that something you weren't even thinking about Monday night to Sunday night? Uh, I mean, I think you knew, you knew kind of, you know, you're playing New England and you, you see the schedule. I mean, it's all over the, um, you know, the locker room. Um, you know, as a competitor, you're, 
you you want the ball in prime time, right? So you know, I think that that I was you know super stoked to to get a chance to play on Monday Night Football, and obviously you know, you're you're playing against arguably the 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 best mind defensive mind that that that's ever walked the sidelines, um, you know, and and his record, you know, as I found out through interviews preparing that week, his record versus you know first time quarterbacks is like 170 and 0 or something. So. Um, but uh, it, it was cool. I mean, you know, you're, you're going up against, you know, the, one of the goats that and Tom Brady and, 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 you know, Bill Belichick and um, you know, you, you, you were excited. I mean, I just wanted to play well and, and um, you know, wanted to compete and, and, and kind of prove that I, I belonged. Um, you know, obviously the, the game didn't work out uh, that well, but um, you know, it was cool. I mean, you, you, you know, you, you just, you, when you're in that, I, I don't, I, for me, I, I just, I wanted to, I wanted to, to compete and um, it was cool that those were my first two games and, you know, it would have been nice to get a little bit of a, a warm up action against, you know, somebody that wasn't like, you know, Dick LeBeau or Bill Belichick that, you know, two guys that, you know, as they drive Tom Brady crazy. Um, but it was fun. It was fun. I, I, I mean, it was, you know, um, couldn't have asked for two more fun, exciting games to, to prepare for. Yeah, and as a as a fan, just looking at that, obviously Bill Belichick and Dick LeBeau, that's just something you you just, you know you, you got that was the, that was the hand you were given, and you you had to play to go with it. So, um, but and I will say, as a fan, I mean, we didn't win those games, but the Pittsburgh game, we were so we were so close to winning that, with that one. I was oh, I was that was yeah. dying in that game. I, I yeah, but um, let's talk about what the NFL is doing right now. So NFL, obviously, they they've gotten rid of their preseason this year, and you're an undrafted guy. Could what's one thing you can kind of say as far as being an undrafted guy and making a team and now with no preseason, could you imagine an NFL career without a preseason? Yeah, see, that's, that's, that's going to be challenging. I, I, I mean, when you're a undrafted guy or you're a, even a backup, you're up on the bubble. I mean, you know, if a team doesn't have a lot of money invested in you, um, you know, you, you, you become a liability if you're hurt, if you play bad, I mean, you, you're, you're replaceable, right? So, you know, like, Patrick Mahomes has $500 million invested in him. He's not getting cut. Right. Um, so, you know, and, and, and the whole point of the preseason games um, are to give you, you, you as a player, a chance to, to compete in game time situations. Right. So, you know, as a quarterback, you can, you know, play really well in seven on seven in practice, but there are just certain things that, that happen in, in games that, that coaches don't get a chance to evaluate. Right. Like, you know, a lot of times as a backup quarterback or a third string guy making the team, you know, you're going to get an offensive line that's not cohesive, right? So you're getting guys, so you, you, you got to say, oh, can he move, right? Can he take a hit? Like, does, you know, does, does he throw well under pressure? Does, you know, um, you know, d does he get gun shy when, when things, like all those types of things that, that guys can evaluate because, you know, you're there because you're talented. So they know you can throw the ball. They know you can run the ball. They can tackle, but can you do it in game time situations? So I don't, I don't know how they're going to evaluate those bubble guys. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be challenging to see, um, you know, how, how they do it. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the preseason for guys that are, you know, um, you know, that, that are veterans that, you know, that it's wear and tear on their body. I, I get that. I mean, um, you know, that's, you know, that's just protecting, guys that have, have played a long time, but it's going to be challenging just to see how they evaluate talent. I mean, I don't know how, if that's going to be good or bad. I mean, I, I knew as a quarterback in preseason, 
you know, that's where you're evaluated the, the most, right. Is, is how, how do you perform in game situations? Do you, you know, do you get delay a game calls cause you're not paying attention to the play clock, things like that. So it's going to be going to be interesting to see how they do that. Right. Yeah. And I know uh, when I was talking to Eric Warfield, he was a seventh round pick and he was saying, he was like, I, I probably, I probably wouldn't have made the chiefs. He, he thought it was a good question. He was like, I probably wouldn't have made, made the chiefs um, if, if there was no preseason. And he said, he, he gets the fact that some of the players, the veterans don't want preseason, right. The wear and tear on the body. But he said, he also sees th- this year, he could see first four games, that's your preseason. And you can see guys complaining to the fact that they got injured for the, during the first four games of the season and they didn't have time to kind of warm up and, and you know, get that game style uh, of play. And he said you could see people saying that that side of the argument once the season Well, started. I mean, I, I think that the, the most interesting um, comparison would be my – I think it was my first year with the Chiefs and we had that lockout. And then they kind of redid the CBA and then they reduced practices and things, you know, along those lines. So I think like that year you saw – you know, way more kind of non-contact injuries like ACLs and Achilles because, you know, football is one of those games where, you know, it's not like you can go out and play pick up basketball and be kind of like work yourself into shape. I mean, football is a game where, you know, you're, you're either playing or you're practicing, right. And, and learning how to, to practice at half speed and not tackle people. And that, that's, that, that's not natural for, for football players. So when you, you change the rules like that, I think that, that your body has to kind of adapt to those type of situations. Now, you know, that could have been just a fluke accident that year, but I think that there's, there's definitely some, probably some, some science um, that I have nothing, I know nothing about that, that, you know, probably would, would argue that, that you need some type of, game time preparation before you go out um, and, and start playing games. So let's go uh, to your college days um, where at Pitt, we look at the numbers here, you were ranked fourth all-time in passing yards and second all-time in passing touchdowns where you're only actually trailing Dan Marino for a passing touchdowns in Pitt history, which I think is awesome. But you're from Pittsburgh. What did it kind of mean to you to play in, a, in that Western Pennsylvania school um, and, and like I was telling you earlier, uh, I went to Teal College in uh, Greenville, PA, where you're beloved, and then my buddy who went to Allegheny College, everyone loves you there. So what, what does that kind of mean to you to play in your hometown, uh, your hometown school growing up? Uh, I mean, I, I was fortunate enough coming out of high school that, I, you know, I, I could have gone anywhere I wanted. So, you know, I wasn't like, wasn't the only offer that I had. So I, I was able to, to make a decision, you know, based on kind of where I wanted to go. Um, and, you know, growing up in Western PA, um, playing for my dad and, and, you know, I, I just, I, I think all in all the, the, the short answer of that is that I just wanted to be a part of, of bringing Pitt back. Um, I saw my dad do that with his, you know, he went to high school at West Allegheny where I went. And when he came back, um, and took that coaching job over, you know, I, I saw what it, it meant to the community to, to build a winner, to do it the right way. And, you know, that's kind of, kind of who I am that's how I was raised so I, I think that had a lot to do with it I, I, I was a Pittsburgh kid I, I wanted to, to bring Pitt back I you know I, I wanted to be part of that that team um, and we were you know well on our way in 04 and then you know we had a uh, athletic director that um, for lack of for for, for being nice uh, fired our head coach after winning the Big East and going to the Fiesta Bowl so um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's that's you know pretty much a, the short answer of why I, I wanted to go to Pitt. Uh, you kind of mentioned Larry Fitzgerald earlier that he was your roommate, and 
going to school in, in, in the Pennsylvania, Western PA area, people used to talk about going to uh, pit practices and seeing some stuff that Larry Fitzgerald would do. Do you have any like cool stories that any kind of magic shows that Fitzgerald would put on for you guys? Uh, well, I think you, you, you've seen the stats now. He has more tackles than he has drops in the NFL. Like that's a statistic that, you know, they, I don't know how you count that, but they counted that. He practiced, like I said, his, his so he only went to school for two years there. Was that, He was part of that whole Maurice Claret, like, you know, two years or three years removed from high school thing. Um, and he tore, his, I think it was the first or second game that he tore a tendon in his hand. Um, and he practiced, no one knew about it, but he practiced the whole year uh, with like a cast under his glove and uh, didn't, didn't drop one ball um, the whole year. And this is, this is, this is warmups. This is, you know, individual sessions, you know, he, he, um, uh, so, I mean, you know, you, you, you think about going through a whole year and not dropping a ball in practice, um, with one hand. Um, but you know, just like anything else, anybody else who's, you know, really, you know, elite, you don't see, um, half of the, the, the show that you see on Sundays or Saturdays, you, you, the majority of it happens like, you know, at practice or in the weight room where you see these guys just do things that are just uncommon. So, um, yeah, he's, he was, um, he was the, I mean, I'm biased, but he's, he's the best in my opinion, um, that, that that's ever caught a football. Um, I mean, I, I just have seen him do things now, granted Chris Carter and Jerry Rice and all those things, but I mean, I played with him, so, um, I'm going to be a little biased on that, but he's, Unbelievable talent uh, about catching the football and how to contort his body. And, and um, you know, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and, and even with, with, with that, the way he plays football, but beyond that, he's, he's, I've seen interviews with him. He's a, he's, a good, he's a good dude, you know. It's, it's hard to see a lot of just good dudes, right? And he's class personified as well. So, I mean, it's, a, it's cool to see, you know, a guy who's awesome at his craft. And on top of that, he's a good dude who gives back to his community. So, I, I think that's great with uh, Larry. Yeah, I, I've been fortunate enough to be around two of the best that, that are going to be wearing a yellow jacket, that, um, that, that they're a way better person. Um, you know, father, husband, you know, just good dude. than um, then they were a football player and, and they're going to be going into the hall of fame. So Drew Brees and Larry Fitzgerald were, you know, I was fortunate enough to be around them, um, you know, more than just a teammate. And um, you're right. I mean, you just, it's, it's, it's uncommon to see that, that level of, you know, um, humanity and humbleness and, and along paired along with, you know, being, uh, one of the best of all time. So I was, I was fortunate enough to be around two guys that, that I learned a lot from. And let's say in the, in the college world, I guess in the, the current college world now. So more, uh, more conferences are eliminating non-conference games in the ACC where Pitt now plays back in the day. It was big, big East for you all, but uh, now it's ACC. Um, so they, they see, I guess, a couple of days ago released what they're planning on doing. It's a 10 plus one kind of schedule. So 10 conference games and then one non-conference games. But I think, believe it has to be in the same state as the ACC, the non-conference game. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, I, I, I don't think it's going to be anything that's, that's adopted as, um, you know, m- moving forward that they're going to do. Um, you know, I think it's just one of those things where they're trying to to be cognizant of keeping the schedule, you know, playing conference games so they can keep, you know, think, you know, hopefully we have a season, a full season, but to be able to keep things like, you know, how do you do conference champions and how do you, you know, all those types of things. Um, 
but I don't think it's something that, that they're going to adopt moving forward. Um, you know, the only thing that, that in my opinion from the NCAA, what they've done that kind of took fun out of college football was realigning some of the conferences and not making it mandatory that you play your rivals. Right. So we don't play Penn state on a regular basis and we don't play West Virginia on a regular basis. And those are, you know, two of our rivals, um, that, that we don't, they're not on our schedule every year. I mean, you just, you just don't, you know, you don't take Florida state Miami off of the schedule. Like it, you know, you don't, so that's two of the things I think they missed the boat on, but I, again, I get it from, you know, uh, an sec school, you know, having to play in the sec, you know, and then you're looking at like the parody of conferences and they want to play like a, a Furman or something. You know, yeah. I just, I don't know. I, you know, to me, it's, let's just pick it, pick a day time and play in the, in the parking lot because it's Pitt Penn state or Pitt West Virginia. So I, I think that's really the only thing that um, you know, in my opinion, I'm a little off, off topic of this thing. So that's, I mean, I don't think it's something they're going to adopt. I think it's just, you know, how, how do they keep it fair for everybody? Mm. Yeah, I, I was reading that some people think this could be headed towards where they kind of dissolve the divisions within the ACC by letting them play all, all the, everyone in the conference. Well, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you, do you like that idea? Well, or no? I, I mean, I, I don't know if I like it or, I mean, like kind of like a round Robin thing. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, um, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. I, 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 um, I wonder sometimes how they pick who goes into like certain divisions, right? Like how they pick the SEC and, or like, you know, how they pick the ACC teams. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I guess we'll have to wait and see to, I mean, to see if, if, um, if they do it, uh, if it, if it makes a difference when it comes down to, to like playoff time, mm. um, you know, but I, I do, I do like the way that like the NCAA, or the NFL does like the, the matchups where they, the cross rock cross conference games are based off of where you finished. Like the first team, like if you play the AFC West, right. And it's your chance, like that they, they play, you know, the number one team and the number one team, right. So you're, you know, you get a lot of like the, the, the Steelers and the, the Patriots match up a lot, right. In those right. cross conference games. Um, if you're, if it's not your year to play everybody in that division, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It's, uh, I never really thought too much, too much about that. It was like, you know, the schedule comes out and you just play it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was interested to get your take on that. Uh, but so we're going to go to high school now where you kind of mentioned your, your dad, uh, is he still a head coach at uh, West Allegheny high? No, he, he, uh, he left there retired two years ago. Um, and, uh, he retired for about six weeks. So he came out to Kansas city, spent some time with, with our grandkids, uh, with his grandkids, my kids. Um, and six weeks to the day that he got here, he was peeling his skin off and uh, some school uh, in, in, in Pennsylvania, Mount Lebanon uh, came and got him out of retirement. So um, yeah, he, he, uh, he, he didn't miss a football season. He, he retired for six weeks and um, got, got back into it. He's, he, he's, he's not, he'll, He'll, uh, God willing, he'll, hopefully he, he'll, he'll live past, uh, being a football coach, but, um, you know, he's, he's a lifer. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so obviously since you're still very connected to the game with your, with your father, what is, so my brother's a football coach in uh, Northern Virginia. And one thing is trying to keep the kids motivated, you know, cause they might do a, a spring season this year and that's not a hundred percent lock, but that's what they're going for. Yeah. 
What is your advice to the juniors and seniors in high school who, who may have seen their, their senior seasons or junior seasons get canceled this coming year if that's what's going to happen? What's kind of your advice yeah. for those kids because of with these seasons being canceled because of COVID? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of the belief that you, you can only control what you can control. And, I mean, um, you know, it, it, it's just, you know, Football, in my my opinion, is is like the greatest kind of teacher of life, right? So you know, life's not fair. Um, you know, you got to deal with adversity, and and you know, um, you know, much like you know, my college year where the the AD decided to fire our head, like it it affected me and affected our team, but you couldn't control it, right? So you know, you kind of have to, you know, deal with it and then move on. So. Um, it's unfortunate that, that this stuff is happening and, and, you know, kids are, are, you know, missing their senior seasons and, and I'm sure that there'll be some kind of, I don't know, there'll be some kind of opportunity that arises for them. Um, you know, whether it's an all-star game or, or some kind of showcase that, that, that they can do something, um, you know, but, but it's just, you know, I, I think looking at the, the positive side of things, you know, that you know, they're, they're healthy and, and, you know, that, that if this is the worst thing that ever happens to them in life, then, then, you know, they're in a really good spot, but it, it does, you know, to be honest, it sucks. Right. I mean, I would have, I would have, I don't know, tried to move to a country that they would have played football in and tried to play in like, you know, I don't know, Australia or something at the time, but uh, I do feel bad for them. I mean, it's, it's out of their control and um, you know, there, there's really nothing they can do. So, you know, I'm sure that they'll, they'll figure something out. Yeah. And I was talking to um, Darian Harris, who's a director of player engagement with Michigan state. He was saying that he said they may actually, cause a lot of people may go to uh, Juco uh, junior colleges after this year, you know, to, to try to get more, uh, more light, more eyes on them. And he said they might actually end up bolstering their uh, Juco kind of recruitment just to see those guys who may have missed their yeah. years. So it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how they do it. I mean, you know, there's, there's like eligibility situations, you know, and then, you know, then there's, you know, scholarship things that come in. So, you know, you, you can only have so many scholarships a year, right? So, so schools that are, are funded, you know, like a, a big school, like, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, all those schools that, you know, have a bunch of fundraising, you know, if the NCAA says, hey, you know, we're going to honor those scholarships, you know, they have enough fundraising to, to do that, right? But then you look at other schools that, you know, don't have you know, the cash to be able to, to fund those scholarships, you know, they're going to be at a disadvantage if that's, you know, one thing that they decide to do. So there's just so many unknowns. And, you know, from a, you know, from a work perspective, and what, what, what I do now, it, it's just, you know, there's, there's no precedent, there's no book to this, right. So, you know, it, you know, not pressing the panic button and thinking thing, you know, there, there's going to be something that happens that, that they have some type of a season. It's just, you know, how do you stay focused on, you know, the things you can control, but, but it's going to be interesting because there's so many different moving pieces that, that you're seeing right now that if they cancel something or if they move something, if, you know, like, you know, like the, like if you're, you're professional, like you're getting paid by the game. Well, if your contract's worth $10 million and now you only play X amount of dollars, like, well, that's not a big deal because you're still making 5 million, but, you know, if you're, you're making the league minimum, right. And you know, there, you know, there's all these different things that, that are going to have to be, you know, figured out. So, um, you know, I, I it's going to be, I've said it about a hundred times. It's going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and with that, the stuff they can't control, like conditioning, like off-season conditioning, that's going to extend longer if, they, if it is a spring season instead of a fall football season. You gotta extend your, you gotta extend your uh, conditioning and your weights th- throughout this. They prolong that a little bit. So hopefully these high school kids can kind of stay focused on that. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Like I said, they're they're um, you know I know that at least with my dad, they're they're following the rules that the governor sent in place. They're you know working out masks. They're you know they're doing you know twenty at a time, and you know they're preparing as if they're going to have a season this year. So um, you know, but then again, you know I know my dad had a couple of kids that you know their parents are. Um, you know, have pre-existing conditions that, you know, they said, Hey, look, I, I want to come, but you know, like how bad would you feel if you came home and, you know, transmitted it to a, a parent or a sibling or something like that. So that's just, it's just a mess. So uh, I, I don't envy some of those, those people in those, those uh, situations. Yeah. Well, we're going to, lo- we're going to move to a lighthearted segment. Um, this is the, the final 40 yard dash because the show is called running the 40. Um, All so- right. Go to the final 40 with the rapid fire questions. All right. With the show being called running the 40, what was your uh, fastest 40 time? Mm, I think in the combine, it was like four, seven. Like, so that would have been like electric, you know, time, like that, that was legit. Mm. Um, so I guess if you go off of that, it'd probably be four, seven, something. I, I, I don't know, whatever the, the NFL combine was, but. I always ran faster when somebody mean and mean and uh, stronger than me was running after me. <laughs> um, all right. So I, I guess you're going with the game speed, man. Yeah. Okay. Who did you throw your two only, only two passing touchdowns to with the chiefs? Uh, I knew, I know I threw one to, to Dexter and that was in Chicago though. So my first two passes, that's a good question. I don't know. I know I threw on a Dexter on a Hail Mary. That might have been my first one. I don't know. There's that three guys defending in the end zone. And a little jump ball. Erlacher got a hand on it. It was caught. It's a touchdown! Uh, you know? It was, uh, it was Dexter McCluster on the, on the Hail Mary. And then uh, this, this is the one I, I forgot. This one was uh, Jeremy Urban, a post route against the Jets. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, that was a, that was a great ball. Yeah, that was a that, well. I mean, I, he 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 came down with it, but yeah, that I remember that one. That was a that was a little um, even hope one. He he ran under it. This season, Falco on second and ten to the end zone. Jeremy Irving, great grab in traffic. Um, you played? Did you play with him in Arizona? Also, did you guys already have the rapport before going to the Chiefs? Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy and I, we, we played a lot of, we played a lot of football together cause we were, you know, um, both backups. So we, you know, in, in preseason and practice and things. So he was, he was the guy that I felt really good with from a, a rapport standpoint and knew where he was at and he could, he could fly. Um, you know, he, he was one of those guys that didn't get a, a lot of respect from his speed and could, could, could get after a little bit from a track track speed. So he, he was a guy that, that you could go deep and practice on a lot, and guys didn't really, really uh, check him. Yeah, he was also one of those guys who were doing playing Madden, like fantasy draft style. You get to steal him late late in the draft in a, in a fantasy draft style in the Madden. So. <laughs> um, okay, so next question. Who was your backup quarterback the weeks you played against New England and Pittsburgh? My backup quarterback in New, against New England and Pittsburgh. Um, it would have had to have been 
Hmm. No, he was hurt. Oh man, you're stressing me here. <laughs> hmm. Who was it? Yeah. He also, I would say, you and him probably had the best flow in the, in the league. Oh, Ricky Stanzi. Yep. <laughs> I forgot Rick. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember like seeing you two on the side. I was like, gosh, I don't know who's, who's got better flow here. But you had you had you had the nice backwards baseball cap game, so I, I had to give it to you on that one. <laughs> no, well, Rick, Ricky Ricky had the like the straight rocker hair look. He didn't have the curls or the flow. So we we would believe me. There was there was a lot of debate going on in the locker room who had the best one, but. He, he, he looked like he could play, like, uh, lead guitar for ACDC or something. You know, he had the long, straight uh, stuff, yeah. Well, yeah, he had the, yeah, the Sunshine Ronnie Bass haircut from uh, – There you Bass. go. <laughs> um, so, earlier you uh, alluded to playing with Drew Brees, but you played with Kurt Warner and Drew Brees when you were with Arizona. He, uh, Warner was on, on still in that squad, correct? Yeah, so I played – yeah, so I was, in, I was in New Orleans, Arizona, Pittsburgh, and Kansas City, and I was – you know, so – technically backed up Drew, Kurt, Ben, and then Matt Castle. Yeah. So when you play with Kurt and Drew Brees, two, those are two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL or have played the game. What was two things you kind of learned from both? What were the kind of different things you learned from Brees and, and Warners being in their presence? Kurt, Kurt um, had this uh, ability to simplify – defenses and understand kind of like what he wanted. Like he, he, he knew how to throw the ball um, to attack defenses in a very like simplistic way. So like he, he knew like he, he did, he liked simplifying uh, the, the offense. And I think he got that from when he came, you know, from, from Mike Martz and he, he knew like, we don't need, all these bells and whistles. He kind of knew that how to attack a defense in a very simplistic way. So Kurt was a guy that was like, Hey, you know, why don't you just take your running back, move him over here, switch protection and call like a three level flood. Um, and he, and he knew how, and he was so, so accurate. Um, and then drew, uh, same thing. Um, but he was the most impressive guy that I've ever been around that could, um, could recognize recall and react. Um, in, 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 in such a fast way. I mean, he knew that like what a defense was going to do. He, he, he could tell from a, from a clip that he watched and knew exactly what they were going to do, got into the right position and was able to get the ball in that spot. You know, he could flight the ball, um, up and down over in between things. And, and, you know, he had to, because, you know, he's not six foot five. So, but his ability to recognize recall and react was I mean, never seen it in my life. Um, I mean, just I've never seen a quarterback do it uh, that well. Interesting. And the thing that stands about Breeze, you know, I'm a, I was a slot receiver, so, you know, I'm the, I'm the tallest guy, you know, a 5'8". And just seeing Drew Breeze do that at, at his height on, on, with playing with guys who were 6'5", 6'6", having to throw over those O-linemen, you know. My high school, we didn't have the biggest O-linemen. And I remember getting to college, you saw you see little bigger dudes, but not to the extent as the NFL. So, being able to do what he's done over his career is insane. Nuts. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it comes, but it comes down to the, I mean, he's super talented. He's accurate. I mean, but, but his, his mental recognition of being able to, to just recognize those things, recall them and then react to those, um, to the play that, that he wants to run is, I mean, like I said, uh, they don't have a stat for that, but that's why he's able to do what he's done. Uh, so next question here, uh, between your NFL and your college playing days, 
what moment stands out to you as, as one of your favorites? Well, I think in college, um, you know, probably been the Notre Dame game, um, you know, going up there and beating them um, when we haven't, you know, we, did, we didn't win up there since, you know, before I was alive. So I think Tony Dorsett or some, um, and, and, and beating them, um, you know, at Notre Dame was, was fun in college. Uh, and then in the NFL, you know, it was, it was the first time that, you know, that, that I started against New England. I think that that I, I vividly remember kind of everything about that week. Um, I remember kind of like, um, you know, the, the stadium going quiet as I ran out for the, the first snap. And I mean, I, I remember a lot about that game, um, from a, from kind of like a, um, a feeling standpoint, emotion standpoint. I gotta say also, um, playing fantasy that week, I, I was so pumped about your, I, I ended up starting you in my, my fantasy league that, that, that week. Sorry about, sorry about that. Uh, it's okay, man. You know, I, I, I told my friends, I was like, this, this guy's going to be the next big thing. I, I, I love this guy. Like, I, you know, I, as I said, I was a huge fan of yours in college. So I was like, this is, it's a, he's a sleeper. He's a gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so last question here, um, kind of talking about advice to younger guys. What is your advice to some of these young bucks, like these undrafted quarterbacks, like who you were in the position that you were, what's kind of your advice um, to them going into training camp this year at a very different training camp in, that you ever played in, but what's kind of your advice to these, these young bucks this year? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think control of things you can control. I know it's, you know, an age old saying, but you know, you, you can't, you know, you, you can't get bogged down with things that you can't can control. You can't control. I mean, coaches see guys that drop balls. They see, you know, guys who miss blocks. They, you know, they see, they see all those things. Right. But, but at the end of the day, I think sometimes, you know, as a quarterback, you, you get so focused on like, you know, winning and losing. And, and when you're in that situation where you're, you're trying to make a team, they look at things that, that, that sometimes you can not pay attention to like body language and, and, and understanding, you know, the, the, the situation and, and, you know, and, and, you know, not, if it's not there, you know, throw a completion and, and, you know, just those types of things. Cause, cause when you're a backup and you're trying to make a team, coaches just want to make sure that you're not going to lose the game for them. And, and, you know, more often than not, you know, the, the more chances you have to be on the field and not throwing interceptions or, you know, fumbling the ball or trying to do something dumb, you know, the more opportunities you have because you have to manifest opportunities. Right. So, you know, if you just stay on the field, right. If you, if you're, you're, you know, and if it looks ugly, but you're, you're giving your chance yourself a chance to, to throw a touchdown or, or win a game, I think, um, you know, that would be my, my, my best advice from, you know, for a guy trying to make the club is that, that, you know, those things are nice. Right. But if you throw one like ridiculously long, crazy, difficult pass, and then you throw 10 interceptions, you know, like everyone will remember the highlight reel thing, but coaches are, they're going to pay attention to things that matter. Um, so I, that's, that's what I would tell any, any quarterback trying to make a, make a team is that, that, that those things matter to coaches. Awesome, man. I really appreciate you coming on here, man. That was, that was all, that was all for me, man. Um, no, that's awesome. I know, uh, I know getting, getting a random LinkedIn message from somebody, you know, who's never really done this before. I mean, I, I did local news and stuff, but launching a podcast, I was like, you know, I, I want, I, Tyler Palco is one of those guys who, you know, may not be, you know, some people may not have been, you know, as high on you as I was, you know, I, I want to talk, yeah. talk to Tyler Palco. So I'm really no, happy. I appreciate it. You did, you did a great job, man. And I, like I said, I, I, I try to respond to those things. And uh, I was always a, uh, a guy that, that, you know, you, 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 
if you don't ask the question, you'll never get an answer. So uh, I really enjoyed it, man. I'd uh, love to be back on at any time, but you did a hell of a job. And, um, you know, we got to get you I, – I, you probably have to get it custom made, but maybe I'll try to get a Tyler Pelko bobblehead back there. It'll probably cost me like $8 million because no one will make it, but, you know, I'll try to get you one back there. Well, it's actually funny. I was looking for a Tyler Pelko because I'm, I'm a huge jersey collector, a Chiefs jersey collector, and uh, kind of what I've done throughout the years is I've always gotten every starting quarterback that we've had – so I, I got, I had to get a Tyler, I had to get a Tyler Thigpen one made. I had to get a Brody Coral one made. And so the next person on my list was used, but I was looking to see if they, somebody's already done that. So that's why, that's my next, that's my next buy right there. Tyler yeah. Pen. Again, you may, you may have to pay uh, overpriced to get one of those because they don't have them. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, no, for sure. Uh, once the season gets started, hopefully there is a season. Um, I would love to have you on to kind of break down uh, yeah. the game. Yeah, that'd be great, man. Anything, anytime. Uh, really appreciate it. Glad we got it, got it done. And uh, seriously, let me uh, let me know uh, if I can do any uh, do anything for you. Awesome, man. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.